0: welcome to Seize the GM.
1: If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help.
2: And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt,
0: we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns,
2: and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions,
1: and some might even say answers that
2: we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice,
1: and let us help you seize the GM.
0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM.
1: Aren't you lucky, folks? You get to listen to our dulcet tones for another undetermined period of time.
2: But even more important than my underselling companions here, it's a special episode of Seize the GM, one that many of you, or at least a few of you, have likely been waiting for.
1: Or dreading. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or, or dreading, yeah, maybe. And that is our ever infamous somewhat annual...
2: stat StatBlockapalooza!
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, it's
1: do. Himmel.
2: <laughs> so, I've been waiting for this. I know you have.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: How many times can I say that word in this episode?
0: Probably quite a few if we you let
1: frighten you. frighten me, dude.
0: Okay, so now over the last couple of episodes, we've actually been doing the character creation for a fake game. And so it was also right around the time that we were supposed to do another of our. Stat
2: losers. I
1: mean, we were so. waiting for you. You were just trying to, you, dude, you and your acting thing, you know, it's like you know how to build dramatic tension, but it's the like anticipation yes. <laughs> bit, you know. <laughs>
0: so. All of us thought that it would be fun to keep working on this and maybe do some more work on that setting that we just finished doing. So, what we did was we came up with three more people, places, and things for this particular setting.
2: Completely unrelated, without talking to each other, we will see if they relate at all. But otherwise, this is a way in which you can quickly and easily embellish enrich or, or deepen a setting from just that you know couple of episodes single a sheet of campaign setting we've previously provided in the last thing doodly do on the previous episode
0: yes so I have um, rolled the dice and we are going to start with jewels and your person i hate you (laughs) but
1: all right well it 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 actually fits because i built all of mine to kind of intertwine with each other so nice meet zeke political tensions mutually assert destruction contracts and treaties the vanguard station Really doesn't have the luxury of egos, laughter, and self-indulgence. At least it shouldn't have that luxury. Enter Zeke Bickmarsh, the self-proclaimed coolest guy on the Vanguard station. Seems he never got that memo. He was assigned to the Vanguard janitorial detail a few cycles ago. And he doesn't talk about his life prior to arrival on the Vanguard. And his records are restricted at the highest level. During his time here, he's gained a reputation with both the Can and the Empire representatives for being arrogant, self-centered, and loud. Just mentioning his name causes the most stoic diplomat to roll their eyes. But to the station's lower-class citizens, refugees, and outcasts, less annoyance and a lot more respect. It seems that Zeke has this uncanny ability to find those whose society has given up on or those that have given up on themselves. He talks to them, listens to them, and treats them with respect. And over time, they form their own sort of tribe on the station, with Zeke as the leader. Zeke takes great pride in his position and in the members of his tribe, which he has named the Warp Cats. He extols the virtues of coolness, being yourself, and maintaining the perfect hairstyle. Word around the station is he is the sole reason that hair gel still exists. He also is an advocate for indulging in one's curiosity and creativity. Zeke is vain, proud, and surprisingly self-aware. As he loves being the center of attention, he tries to lead and teach his fellow Warp Cats by personal example. He's happy to go first and bare his soul at a poetry slam. His poem was an ode to his favorite comb and hairdryer. The first to apologize when he's made a mistake or hurt someone's feelings. He's quick to congratulate and just as quick to call someone out on their bullshit. The rank and file of the station really don't know what to make of Zeke. They only know that he's here to stay, and that all methods to get him off the station, including trying to jettison out an airlock, have failed. Cool. <laughs> I like. Oh, I am I'm glad that you do. Yay! I was heard you guys think that's not spacey.
2: I, I, I'm getting very Johnny Bravo vibes.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I'll be honest. I, I stole I, I stole the guy's name there's from uh from a guy in Fallout who just had the I gotta look at my hair and be cool. You just gotta be cool, you know. Oh, okay. So I, it's like nah Zeke, Zeke Zeke is a cool name, so. Zen, who's coming up next? I wanna hear I wanna hear what everyone else came up with.
0: Well, I have already flipped the coin. Well, actually I flipped the fate chip, but we won't get into that. Uh, and our next contestant is Garda
2: Keeping with people, I take it? Yeah. Uh, Ishan Nelson, uh, how often do you actually notice what a busybody is up to? When oh, they put her around and just keep themselves in the way of everything, do you even really care? When a nosy interloper interjects and starts asking questions for no good reason, does it even register as a person? Ishin Nilsson is banking that you don't. It isn't that Ishin is a bad person. Uh, Instead, it's that he's using your own blind spot against you. And why focus on something like an annoying, nattering, unpleasant cad? Well, he knows to do this because that's how his parents lost everything. In the Confederated Assembly of Neo, times were booming just 30 years ago. When the economy is up, everybody is up. But his parents may have been a bit too loose with their own accounting and associations. They didn't notice the bumbling sanitation engineer who ratted them out to the Can Directorate of Oracular Support, the can Do's for short. Their life was as good as done soon escaped, or more accurately was sent, to Vanguard Station, where his status as a minor ward seeking asylum because of his parents' political prisoner status uh, cut through some of the paperwork. On Vanguard Station, he learned the ins and outs of the most glorious empire of the expanding reach, as well as the bureaucratic purple tape of the can. He became a professional nobody— Able to slip between two warring factions and pilfer whatever useful items he can. He even changed his name to Ishan Nilson.
0: Nice, I like it. Uh, oh, I
1: don't. That was kind of weird. Yours and I kind of echoed each other from different viewpoints.
2: Yeah, I, I was also really surprised by that, uh,
1: but completely unintentional. I. We gotta stop operating on the same really cool guy wavelength, man.
2: Well, we'll see if the rest of our ideas bear similar fruit. In the meantime, Zen, tell us about your
0: person. Woohoo! Theo Maxim. While the Empire is coming in to make nicey-nice with the Assembly, there's another group on the station that wants something else. They want to be independent from both the Empire and the Assembly. They're the ones born to the station. They're called rotators, but that's not by those that are not born on the station itself. They wear it as a badge of honor and as the name of their revolution that has been brewing under the surface for years. With the stakes growing by the day, they feel the need to be at the table since they see this as their station and home. Yet neither side sees them. That's where Theo comes in. He was born as a mid-level operator for the rotators for the last several years. Then there was the purge of the upper ranks once the Empire said they wanted to have talks. He was able to step in as the de facto leader. He has always been at the right place at the right time to move up the chain. Since he's taken the reins, he's been pushing in different directions to force things to come to a head and to get a seat at the table. If he can get it, then he will be working for the folks of the station. Long live Theo.
1: Neat.
2: Definitely seeing that all three of us have our own default styles we may be slipping into here.
0: (laughs) Uh huh. Yep. Dude, I didn't do
1: anything with horror on any of these. So, no.
2: (laughs) You also have a heavy dose of the absurd you like to kind of roll around with. But before we, yeah, before we lose the momentum, Zen. You who have control of the, of the fate dice and fatey chips, who is next, and in which of our remaining categories?
0: Well, we're gonna stay with the same order of of who's doing what, but the next thing is gonna be the thing that we did. Alrighty. So that would be Jules with your thing.
1: All right. Okay. The Jupiter Spectrum. The Vanguard has no dedicated long-range ships. Part of the agreement that established the DMZ. However, it does have its own fleet of short-range shuttles with various capabilities and accessories. The most popular is named the Jupiter Spectrum. It's a short-range shuttle with a neural interface, a variety of view portals with different filters, And a variable artificial gravity setting. This ship originally was built for observation and research, but it's taken on a secondary function of sightseeing. The various filters allow the passenger to see cosmic events in a variety of spectra. The neural interface allows for precision positioning, giving the passenger an optimal view. And the variable gravity allows the passenger to move about the cabin with ease. And elect gives them the ability to move quickly from portal to portal. But the Warp Cats have made some unauthorized upgrades to the spectrum. The most recent was the addition of a sound system. And they routed it through the neural interface so the traveler could hear whatever music was on their mind. Unfortunately, they didn't install a mute or off setting. And while most of the time, this isn't an issue. But when a passenger is dealing with a particular... Particularly persistent earworm, a relaxing jaunt can turn into an auditory experience from hell. (laughs) I've been dealing with an earworm all day.
0: Uh, uh, My wife has had one for like the last week, apparently. I
2: have ways to get earworms out. The problem is I replace it with another earworm. Yeah. And
1: unfortunately, the one that I've got seems to trump all of them. And <laughs> I'm I not kidding. It's horrible. And it's a wonderful little superpower. Kind of like having like, oh, okay, I've got one doomsday device. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. I've only got the one. Yeah. Easily accessible.
1: <laughs> so, Garde banger what's your thing? What's your thing? Tell me your
2: thing. Well... The thing I'm adding to this universe is the Chimera Key. The world is built around information. It's the currency of the realm, if you will. That information is guarded well with locks, saves in myriad ways to scrambling any attempt to utilize it by the undesirable. One problem does underlie that entire supposition... Nobody has managed to create a new file structure in a few centuries. Oh sure, improvements have happened, storage has improved, the code is more elegant, but the underlying architecture is the same. Enter the legendary Chimera key. Uh, Probably the closest thing to an artifact you may ever see, it exists as mere rumor and phantasm in the governmental, military, and infosec circles. A way to cut through existing encryption no matter what, a cyber-skeleton key. The few people who know what to look for know that the Chimera key is a specific combination of hardware and software. Well, firmware, really. To break into the back door of the entire file structure used today requires hardware not manufactured in over 150 years. The unique key holds the firmware exploit everyone wants, but no one can seem to get off its unique storage media. Hildebrand Hiyazaki is one of maybe a dozen people who can confirm the existence of the Chimera Key. On the precipice of a disastrous war, Hiyazaki knows that the key may be the only thing to prevent that war, or at least ensure that the can doesn't fall apart as losses inevitably mount.
0: Nice. That's cool. That's
1: really spiffy. I like that, dude. Way, I Mad snaps, man. Brilliant. I loved it. Nice. All right, Zen, come on. Thrill us. Or at least make us want something.
0: Bounder E19. The Bounder E19 is a state-of-the-art... Well, is state-of-the-art for mechanical as well as electrical engineering. It measures in at 14 meters in height and masses at about 65 tons. While it's a big mech, it's still able to move at pretty high speeds, averaging at about 95 kilometers per hour. While this is nowhere near the speed of fighters, it is capable of going from an atmosphere to the hard vacuum of space with no problems. It also has a propulsion system that makes it possible to move in space. But its speed is much slower, checking in at a paltry 45 kilometers per hour. But stopping at that speed is not easy, especially when you've got 65 tons behind you. The number of bounders on the open market is only about 12. Each one costs a small fortune to purchase and maintain, because maintaining a mech is not cheap. only really usable for combat. Though the private versions do not come equipped with anything in the realm of military armament. At least that's what the company says. Uh, they do come with a few things that can be used to fight with, though. But, all but one of these is really just kind of a, you know, setup for being strange and, and u- unusual is the fact that they do mech fighting. You know, small range things like flamethrowers and hydraulic rams for the fists and reinforced joints and solid steel balls in place of hands for some of them. The work done to them is totally custom and each one of them is sort of a work of art. Nice. Well,
1: dude. I, I like. I like very much. I think it is awesome. Thank you. And is it anything that I kind of want to see like BattleBots
2: right now? <laughs> I was going to say, that that was a, a strong, you know, BattleBots, Gundam Wing kind of feel to it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, we we talked that there were mechs, but we didn't talk about what they were, or how they were used or anything, so I figured we needed to have one at least. So, yeah. All right. Well, if
2: everything is fair, but we're keeping with the same order, aren't we? For our place. Yeah. So you get yeah. to go last every time.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm rolling the dice want, next time. Do you,
0: to, do you want me to check? No,
2: I'll roll the dice next time.
0: Okay. <sighs> no,
1: no, no. I was saying next time we do a dartboard, we turn around, we throw it over our shoulder.
0: I have plaster walls. I'm not throwing darts at plaster walls.
1: Well, no, you put a cork board up there with everyone's name and person, place, thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) True. Okay. All right. So I guess
1: mine is the place. Welcome to the Warp Cats Garage. With the arrival of Zeke on the station and the subsequent formation of the Warp Cats the station security chief, Doyle, needed to do something. Namely, find a way to contain them without invoking their iron. So Doyle made a deal with Zeke. Doyle would give them the use of an abandoned station hangar as a sort of base. The hangar would be monitored, but only Doyle would have access to the feed. And as long as they didn't cause too much of a ruckus, they'd be left alone. Zeke agreed to the offer and christened the hangar the Warp Cats Garage. The Warp Cats Garage serves as a meeting place and hangout spot for Zeke and his Warp Cats. The garage has a couple of bunks and a few photoway cots, Standard cash accoutrement, crash accoutrement. Zeke installed a deluxe shower setup as well as a vanity station with variable lighting, a decent assortment of hair products, only one of which is labeled Zeke only. The rest is free for anyone else to use. Various brushes and combs, as well as a handy how-to Hollywood on hair styling. Tucked away in the corner behind some privacy screens is the first aid station. It's stocked with various medical supplies, basic surgical tools, some how-to medical hollow and a portable sterilization field generator. In the back, there's a small library with a varied assortment of manuals, books, and hollow on a wide variety of topics. From robotics to medicine, from survival to flower arrangements. Zeke is always encouraging his Warpcast to add to the library. doesn't matter the topic is how will you discover something cool if you don't even know it exists? The rest of the space is a combination of living room, workshop, science lab, and music studio. Zeke encourages his Warp Cats to make use of the facilities however they like, to discover new hobbies and talents, to practice something, to fiddle around, and to de-stress. And Zeke likes it when someone tries and experiments randomly, learning something by hands-on discovery. That's how Rowdy discovered that Zeke's preferred hair gel can be used as a fuel additive, which will give a, the ship a quick, quick burst of speed. Sadly, gunks the engines up and smells horrible. So the Warp Cat's garage is the perfect home away from quarters. A private gathering space for the station's outcasts, hidden from the scrutiny and judgment of the station's more proper inhabitants. And the acoustics are pretty swell, giving the latest poetry slam night an epic feel.
0: Nice. I like it. It, it,
2: Yeah, it fits. It kind of pulls everything together that you're working with there. It's got a definitely got that, that kind of coherent vibe. I like it. Yeah.
1: It's the first time I've tried to do something where they all kind of feed on each other and not just part, 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 you know? Yeah. So I'm glad you guys liked it. This first time I tried doing that. I I know Gardemanger, you're much better at it than I am, but. And then you usually have a whole story in your head before you write that stuff. So I tried.
2: <laughs> My three things may or may not be able to all kind of go together to a coherent campaign. You'll just have to see if you can find a through line for them. As it's I tell open. you, yes, as I tell you about Olson B7463, because everybody loves an asteroid, right? They look so pretty floating out there, even the ones with pirates. Pirates don't really happen in space, though. There's nowhere to go. You have to make sure you have a way to offload stolen goods and wash them clean of identifying marks before getting them back into a stream of commerce. A stream of commerce that everybody knows where everything comes from. It would be lunacy to try to be a pirate. Where would you refuel or refresh your oxygen scrubbers without a good station or planet to dock? Those scrubbers won't last forever, even if you do properly delouse, sanitize, and cycle them. I mean, neither the Reach nor the Can would want to start a war right now, and at least not that way, and the pirates would just have no place to go no matter what the news vids say, right? Unless it's Olsen B-7463, safely erased from all maps of habitable asteroids and exoplanets. Huh. Olsen B-7463 has been made into the spitting image of a pop culture space pirate waystation. From the secretive station masters who have some kind of a deal keeping them stocked with air and water and all of those things to the semi lawless atmosphere of the station, Olson B7463 is the best kept, ill kept secret in the galaxy. The Reach and the Can are both said to have someone on the ground, though it's hard to say exactly who that is. Where the station masters manage to get their tech and goods remains a mystery, but just don't make any jokes about their height, okay? And the people in charge all seem to be around maybe four feet tall. It must be the low gravity and high radiation, right?
0: Nice!
1: Oh, that's slick, dude. That's slick. I like it.
0: Nice. I like it. Mm-hmm. All right. Zen, yes, what do you have to literally bring us home? All right. The hand gestures that flash between the bookie and the bettors are fat. Then bets are stopped as the two combatants come rumbling into the dome that is 1.5 Earth's gravitational pull. The engines can be heard winding up as the pirates get their mechs ready for the go signal. The countdown starts, and then the two man-like shaped mechs charge toward each other. Welcome to the Rumble Dome. On asteroid BD2184. The other name it goes by, aside from the Rumble Dome, obviously, is Rumble Rock. The whole asteroid is basically set up to be a gambler's dream. I mean, you do have some, you know, low end things to gamble on, like cards, but it goes all the way up to fights and races. The biggest draw by far is the mech battles. They're constantly worked on and refined to make the fights even more exciting. The owner or owners are an unknown variable in this place. The most important reason is no one is sure who they really are. They just stay out of the lights so their location can speak for itself.
2: A nice way to make use of those bounders.
0: Yeah.
1: Spiffy, dude. I like it. Thank you. I do like that very much. I think it's awesome.
0: I, I wanted to have a few things that were tied together, and then I wanted to throw a couple of things that were just kind of weird and out there. So
2: nothing I wrote is directly tied into each other, but they can easily be put together in a, a complementary way. Yeah. So that's that was kind of my, you know, plug and play. But at the same time, I have a thing in my head of what I would do with them all together.
0: Yeah. Well, that was like one of the things that I did with Theo was I actually wrote uh in his in his thing like a couple of his aspects are actually written in there. Yeah. Like I made a point of like okay, what would his what what would be like a couple of his aspects? And so you know, like his high concept is very obvious, but then his other ones are kind of just wormed in. So, you could go with that. So, I, that's kind of what I was thinking when I did those. And then the other ones, you know, a thing, it's a it's a little harder to do that with, but it can be done. Um, and I tried to do that with some of those. And then I did the same thing with uh, the Rumble Dome.
2: Yeah, there are some... Um, aspects kind of worked into mine, not as strongly, but the thought process was there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you can see it, especially once you think about how fate works, like, all of us did it. You can see it. I mean, like, Zeke is, you know, I mean, his high concept is right there the self-proclaimed coolest guy on Vanguard station. I mean, that—that that is his high concept. You know, it's great. So, yeah, it, it totally works.
2: And so if you've been listening along the last few episodes and you enjoyed that kind of fate generation for our characters and that campaign, I hope that this episode kind of showed you ways that that campaign could really quickly go you know, the kinds of things that you could add in that would certainly enrich that entire game. It's kind of fun. Yeah. If you are new and didn't listen to those previous episodes, now is the perfect time to like, subscribe, and go back and listen to the old episodes. Find us on social media and do all of the things. All the things.
0: All the things. Do all the things. Indeed. Uh. (laughs) <laughs>
1: you guys are, ah, I have missed this so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I have been so busy. Like, it's been crazy how busy work has been. But part of that's because I just shifted from place to place. And so it's like learning the job, kind of. But basically, I'm learning a city.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're just putting a lot of stuff into your head. And you're like, ah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what a pain. It is, but it's it's cool too. So Yeah. I don't yeah. mind doing it. And and since I've started taking some uh these uh supplements to help, uh it's actually really helped a lot with that. Delightful.
1: Hey, as long as it's as long as it is working, that is the most I would say that's the most important is important bit. I can't speak yeah. today. Blah. Okay,
0: it's okay. None of us really can. <laughs> so, so what? So, closing remarks. What have you guys been doing, or watching, or reading?
2: Well, it's something that I go back to every once in a while, but it's a, a- Sadly defunct uh, YouTube channel, but it's defunct because the people making it kind of got the jobs they wanted, partially on the strength of the YouTube channel. It's called Every Frame a Painting, and it shows you how to kind of analyze and, and deconstruct directorial choices in film. You know how do directors and cinematographers do what they do? What choices are they making to create a certain kind of emotional response or communicate certain things to you in every single frame of a film? And it's if you love film, you need to watch it. If you want to understand where I start nattering on about directorial choices and, and kind of you know what it means <laughs> to do certain things, it's not a bad place to start. Because it's not, you know, the theater and it's double, but it is close enough to get the idea of where I'm going. Nice. That's cool.
1: I like that. That's, it, it is it is a little bit sad that, you know, it is defunct and that's, and.
2: They got jobs actually like doing that stuff for real and not just analyzing it to explain it.
1: Oh, indeed. indeed.
2: It, it, it worked like a resume for them to get the job in the industry they loved as i understand yeah. the story. Ooh. Okay, that's, really that's even cool.
1: cooler. Okay, you I sorry, you just love the happy ending bits, don't.
2: <laughs> I do look for them.
1: Indeed. I ah, that's awesome. I am a little jealous, but that's okay.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: Why are you giggling, dude? Come on.
2: Because I know what Zen's going to put as his closing remark.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I will leave everybody in in horrible anticipation, so I'm going to go next. I'm going to bring it up. Uh, it's an older video game. You can get it on Steam. It's called Psychonauts. And the reason I'm bringing it up is Psychonauts 2 oh. drops tomorrow. Jeez. but. The other reason I'm bringing it up, it's probably one of the most interesting ways of just visual storytelling. And it is... It's weird. It's it's delightful. It has Richard Horvitz as the, as the voice of the, the main character, which is awesome. And, I mean, but one every side character and i mean every side character has a, a deep and unique personality it, they're you know they're they're not like these one dimensional you know and there's a whole bunch of secrets you can find with them but it was weird because you kind of the opening thing is like you will live his nightmares you will fight his demons and in a way you do like a, a guy that is so under control, keeps so everything locked up and organized and under control. It's like, what happens when something goes a little wrong? And just the the explosion of everything that goes out or, you know, how there's really just horrible, like traumatic experiences that are kind of addressed in there, but they show like what happens is like, okay, you know, I've processed it. It's still part of me, but it's not controlling me. And, and you see that versus like another one who's like, uh, paranoia and psychosis is run rampant and how they show it. It's amazing. Cool. And also, it's a good platformer. It's hilarious and pretty much when you're lost in the game and you want to because they, they do have like that okay, I don't know where I go to next or I'm kind of lost. Where do I go? You summon your helper and, and, and mentor and guide by waving a piece of bacon. You summon him with bacon. <laughs> and I love that. So I want to see I can't wait to see what happens next. I'm looking forward to, to play in it, but, you know, it was just something I went into a dive into it. And I'm like, okay, it's like they're, they're not, like, everything they treat is, like, it's silly, because especially the art style is silly, but they don't make fun of the issues themselves, but the it's the situation, so. <sighs> and also, there is a place, and one of the people's minds you go into, it's Black Velvetopia. The art style in that is amazing. So, That's fun. Yeah. So, Zen, take us home. Okay.
0: <laughs> so, uh, this just dropped today. And this is the, for those of you who have not uh, seen it yet, please go out and watch this this movie trailer and I don't do movie trailers. Like it is a known thing. Like I don't do them. I love to walk into a movie completely blind, no idea what's coming. And my wife is like, no, you have to watch this. Like she was halfway through it. She stopped and texted me and said, okay, you have to watch this. You're going to pee yourself. And that Wait, is, that's
1: a recommendation is like, it's going to make yeah. Me- really.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, for me because I don't do them very much. But it's the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. I know it's something totally stupid, but <laughs> if you are a if you are a Spider-Man fan and it you even just solely in the movie franchises like all three iterations, you see elements from every Single version of Spider-Man that they've done including is the in cartoon. this trailer,
2: including yeah. the original cartoon.
0: Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's amazing, and oh, there are wow. there are little Easter eggs trickled throughout, and it is, wow. <laughs> like there's amazing things that are are going to be in this movie, and I can hardly wait to to get to go see it. But as crazy as that is, it's going to only be available in movie theaters, and it is now the end of August, and we currently have the Delta variant going rampantly crazy, and people just going and doing whatever. So I have a feeling that come Christmas time, when the movie comes out, we won't be able to go to the theater. So hopefully that happens and everyone can watch it from the luxury of their own home. Even though I really want to see it on a huge screen because it's going to be so good.
1: So uh, go get your vaccines, people, so that way you can go see it in the theater. Uh,
0: Even if you do have a vaccine, wear a mask, please. Just... Public safety advice. This is like a real, like people are dying, even healthy people that are catching this Delta variant. It's it's not a joke. This is a global pandemic for a reason, and it has been going for a year and a half, and we still have no hope of putting a, a cap on this genie. So, before
2: we dive too deep into epidemiology, which is yeah. a whole other. Podcast land that we are not part of. It's true, and and oh, I I have a number of them I listen to because of course I do. Of course you do. Thank you all for listening. Be safe. Make the best choice for yourself, which, as far as I can tell, unless your doctor says otherwise, is get a vaccine for the COVID nineteen virus get safe, and help all of us be safe so we can see things like Spider-Man No Way Home in the theater. And until next time... Have fun. Play some games. Roll some dice. And we'll see you back here at Seize the GM.
0: Hooray! Bye!
2: Thanks for checking in.
0: It was a blast sharing our thoughts
2: and ideas on our topics.
1: We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait
2: to share the next show. In the meantime, Let us know how you handle this topic in
0: your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow
1: us, search for Seize the GM.
2: And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for
0: convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 4.0 international license. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is
1: Once again, thanks to you, our
2: listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games,
1: or the inspiration
0: to you your first.
1: Now get out there and play some games.
0: Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.